2: airpods pro with adaptive audio available on airpods pro second generation when enabled
1: this episode of ridiculous history is brought to you by avalon waterways ben are you in major need of a vacation right now
0: no you're a mind reader i am and uh aren't we all we are while cruising remains popular there's something big happening in the industry and that is my friend smaller ships Welcome back to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Thank you, as always, so much for tuning in. Can we get some, like, uh, prestigious, cinematic, like, Oppenheimer-level music? Because uh, I'm Ben. You're Noel. Because I. We have come full circle. We have a very special returning guest. Folks, clap. Cheer. Raise raucous applause and awe for our returning super producer, the one, the only, Mr. Casey Pagra.
3: Oh, man. It's great to be back with you guys. It's great to be back talking to everybody.
1: It's good to have you back, Casey. And what a fortuitous occasion. <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: I mean, I'm, I'm honored to be asked back, but at the same time, uh, yeah. the choice of topics here today, uh, is there some kind of secret message you're trying to send me? Oh, it's not secret,
0: no. Oh, oh, it's overt, okay. We're (laughs) subtweeting you.
3: (laughs) I think you're just adding me directly.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Now we're just adding you directly. Oh, Twitter. Uh, So... Casey, before we begin, of of course, we picked the classiest possible topic to explore with you today and explore over this week. But before we begin, we've had so many of our fellow ridiculous historians asking about you, inquiring about your adventures, uh, even, no, I don't know if you saw it, but even a few people constructing conspiracy theories. (laughs) Love that. Love to see it. I need to hear these theories. Yeah, we'll we'll get to him, but okay. first, uh, just give us the the straight poop here. Huh? Uh, let us know how it's been going. What's up, man? Life it's changes. <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah. So big, big life changes. So to go back to the long, long ago days of February 2021, uh, my wife Joelle and I welcomed our son Tariq. And uh, his birth was a little chaotic, a little unexpected, a little early, Mm -hmm. quite a bit early, two days shy of six months. So not quite six months of gestation, Um, which obviously meant a long stay in the NICU. You know, it was it was a very uncertain time, very stressful time. So and it happened, of course, right in the middle of our production schedule. So like very quickly, we had to have other people come on and start assisting And super producer Max was a huge part of that. But the whole team there just like pitched in. It was incredibly heartwarming the way everybody just jumped into action and, and made that happen on zero notice. Well, and it was so, so crazy
1: on your end that we didn't even fully know what was going on because I think there was just like, it was such an uncertain time that, you know, we weren't, you weren't even really able to communicate with us. So we were just kind of worried and had your back, of course, but then we were so happy to hear um, that everything ultimately turned out great and that you have a beautiful son.
0: Yes. Who is now a giant. Apparently, he is a giant <laughs> yeah, yeah, for his
3: yeah. age, you know, Um and and being premature, he's 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 yeah, he's breaking the curve. So pretty regular, you know what he has like the perfect poop schedule, mm-hmm. uh, because it is means in regular. the morning. He's regular. He's regular. Like such a German yeah. compliment. He's he's regular. It's in the morning, and it is after we drop him <laughs> off at daycare. Such so <laughs> <I> <laughs> have not, I've I've changed it. like. Not that many poopy diapers in the last, you know, Ah, three three to six months. Knock on wood. It's amazing. Yeah,
0: Don't jinx yourself. That is so good to have you back, Casey. And when, as our pal, a super producer, Max Williams, lit out for the territories on some adventures of his own, uh, he and Noel and I all agreed. We're like, who, who can fill in for Max? Well, there's only one guy. And it was like it was like a, it was those scenes in eighties action films where they're like, we have to call in the badger
1: or something. <laughs> remember that scene in uh, the Tim Burton Batman? I think it's Jack Palance plays like oh, the yeah. big bad mob boss. He goes, mm-hmm. Jack, you are my number one guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's Do you guys. See? Remember
3: him doing push-ups on the Oscars? Oh, Who, God. Jack palance Yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. he. I think he he maybe he won for best supporting actor. And um, I could be wrong about it. But for whatever reason, he was on stage. And he just got up there and he, start, he dropped and he did like 10 or 20, I don't know what, just to prove that he still had yeah, it. Yeah, he definitely had it.
0: I feel like doing 10 push-ups is, I don't want to sound rude, but I feel like doing 10 push-ups is not super impressive.
3: Yeah, but he was like 70 or something. Are, Are you kidding?
0: kidding? Ten, I, I'll do one and be impressed, okay? <laughs> so don't even get me started. So, uh, we, we had an episode a while back, Casey, about the weird and somewhat disturbing history of soap, which may involve ritual sacrifice. Uh, and this got us thinking about another bathroom standby, the toilet, where did it come from? You know, we, um Noel, you had a great idea a few years ago. We did an episode all about bidets, and we we actually contacted a bidet company and sort of gave them the hard sell. Casey, you were there. You remember this? Mm-hmm. No, the golden the golden era of mm-hmm. ridiculous history. Yeah. So we started to cogitate and ask ourselves, what's the straight poop? Where does the toilet actually come from? Ooh, because. Ooh. Yeah. We also did an episode on
1: underwear that was a tie-in with Fruit of the Loom. <laughs> That's um, right. So, if any toilet companies want to sponsor this episode after the fact, we you know we're here for it. We are chill. We,
0: we will shill for your product. Send Japanese toilets, Toto, please. I'm I'm gonna say it. I know not everybody wants to admit this because there's a little bit of nationalism involved, but the nation of Japan is pooping in the future. Those toilets are amazing. Have you guys ever used, like, the fancy Japanese toilets?
1: No. Um, but there's a really good uh, episode of uh, Bob's Burgers where Gene uh, falls in love, essentially, with a, <laughs> that's uh, right. a, a Japanese toilet that talks and all of this good stuff. Um, it's pretty wild. Yeah, those things can get up there and cost. Uh, you know, even just like a sort of bargain basement model, like a topper for your traditional commode. Right, right. Those can run you in the hundreds of dollars. But then if you want one that's, like, fully flush, out yeah <laughs> okay uh those can be thousands and thousands of dollars and they, yeah they do things like you know rotating bidets
0: like a little whirlwind in your butt that can be heated they, they have like customizable features so they know who is sitting down in the home uh <laughs> got these nice gentle bursts of air i gotta tell you it's one of the every time i've been to japan i can't help it the first and number one tourist attraction for me is the airport toilet. I'm just, Consistently amazed. And it took a long way to get there because people have been pooping way before they figured out how to clean up their poop or how to safely transport it away from their living quarters. Uh, We know that the human's closest relative, the chimpanzee, was already practicing some form of restroom hygiene. And that tells us that other primates likely did the same thing as they evolved into humans
1: pretty wild. Apes apparently, you know, know how to keep themselves relatively uh, feces-free, despite their reputation. And, you know, they do play with it sometimes. They'll Uh, throw it at you. They'll they'll throw it at you. Uh, While we as humans may not do that uh, on a good day. Uh, (laughs) On a bad day, you know, all bets are off. But uh, apparently we are filthier in terms of uh, our ability to, you know, track, collect and track poop particles. Uh, I did not even think about this until I moved in with my girlfriend and she was very insistent that I f- close the toilet lid before yes. flushing. I did. I did. I maybe I'm a disgusting man. I'm a disgusting no. man or just mm. a man, but I did not realize this was a thing, especially in a small bathroom where the sink is right next to the toilet. If you flush it, it's like a poop bomb going it's a off, catapult. man. It yeah. really is. You know, it's the particles you can't see. but A poop. A oh, poop pole. It's not going to stop, y'all. It's not, <laughs> not going to stop. But stick with us. It's worth it. We promise. Uh, so chimps are good at, like, pooping off the side of their sleeping areas and, and, and doing it directly and not tracking it in. But apparently, you know, since we often are barefoot in the house or in the bathroom or whatever, if you don't close the lid and you flush the toilet, then you're getting it on the floor, then you're tracking it on your feet, then it ends up in your bed. So yeah. apparently chimpanzees' sleeping areas test much cleaner then human beings sleeping areas. God forbid hotels. Can you even imagine? Oh, we
0: well, don't uh, want to go there. God. We've been there on our other show. Yes. Yeah. Check out the stuff hotels don't want you to know. Uh, and it's up to you whether you want to bring a UV light on your trip or not. But it will... It will change the way you uh, the way you see things. So, yeah, no, I'm glad you mentioned this. This is a study conducted by Adriana Hernandez-Aguilar and Fiona Stewart, and they found exactly what you're describing. Chimpanzees were much, much cleaner, and because of the closing the lid thing, because a lot of us aren't stopping the catapult, when it settles on the floor, it can go anywhere from there. You know what I mean? How far away from your... Bathroom is your kitchen. That's another huge issue. And we're not going to disparage them. Yes, people have always tried to be clean, even in very, very dirty times. And people seem to have always known that feces could be dangerous. If you go way back to the time of the Sumerians, you'll see that they had something like toilets thousands and thousands of years ago.
1: Yeah, 3,500 and 3,000 BCE, to be precise. Uh, The Sumerians in Mesopotamia, they built these ancient uh, versions of toilets, which were essentially deep, hits that had uh, tubes, kind of ceramic tubing, mm-hmm. if you can picture maybe something you might see in a garden or, or something along the lines of like roofing shingles, maybe, but like, you know, t- t- tubular. Uh, and that's what they sat upon. Um, and then they were able to, I love the word
0: excret, excreta. Yeah. It sounds yeah. like a, like
1: a prog rock band or like a Mars Volta
0: album. It sounds like what Maynard uh, from Tool would call his own poop. It probably does. Call it something like that, or he probably gives it a cute little pet name. Um, that's an
1: odd cat, right there. Uh, big fan of wine. He's big he's fan in, of wine. That always winer, surprised me. Winery guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this uh, again, according to the research, the solid excreta, uh, excreta um, would would keep it in there. This little lining would keep it in there, uh, and the liquid would seep out through holes. There was, of course, you know, they hadn't quite figured out moving, running water yet. So there wasn't like a way to flush. Um, fast forward a bit to the ancient Babylonians and Assyrians who also had toilets.
0: Yeah, yeah. So well, we've already established toilets are older than Jesus Christ. This is very ancient technology. Uh, the Assyrians did something similar. They would take two small walls and they would put the very close together with a narrow gap for the feces to fall through. And then it went directly into the canals. So you're just sort of pooping in the water system, God be with you. People didn't really evolve past that until the ancient Greeks and Romans started bringing toilets to the masses. If you are looking at the toilet timeline, you'll see the innovations were pretty clogged until about a 1,000 years after the Sumerians. Unfortunately though, as is often
1: the case, this is typically for the well to do. Not going to even say it. I already said it. Let it sink in. Uh poorer members of society unfortunately were kind of just doing the like solitary confinement treatment, you know, a, a bucket more mm-hmm. or less, a barrel that was I think the the larger vessel that they would dump their chamber pots into. And we, we of course know that this went on into, you know, the um, mid, Middle Middle Ages, you mm-hmm. know, medieval times. The idea of a chamber pot is even something you hear about in like, you know, Dickens uh, sure. occasionally, I believe, you know, and when we talk, we're going to talk about the great stink of London, I believe at some point, this is yes. all very much tied together. Uh, as long as there have been humans pooping, there have been humans trying to figure out how to get as far away from that stuff as possible.
0: Mm -hmm. And who has to do the dirty job of cleaning it? At this point, in in ancient Minoan civilization over on the island of Crete, the- People who had private toilets in their homes were very much the elite. They were the top 1%. It was like having an indoor pool. In the cities, a lot of people used public latrines. These things were open for 50 to 60 people at a time, and they were just continually flushing out the crap. This was a meeting spot for people. So, okay, two things. One thing that always confuses me, we go to so many hotels when we're on the road, and you've seen this too, Casey, I'm sure, the phone by the toilet. Why? Why? Why is there the phone by the toilet? You know what I mean? The first time I saw it was at our old office in Buckhead from Babyface Records, right? I was thinking of that. That was the status thing, right? That was what? that was kind of a Having
3: show-off. a phone by the... Yeah, yeah. I mean, not like yeah. it's super expensive, but it's sort of like I'm so important that I can't even take five
1: minutes away from <laughs> being maybe, contactable. Because
3: like, this is all pre-cell phone.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's true. Did did you notice Ben that when we were in Vegas recently, did your hotel room have a phone by the toilet as well? Yes.
0: Yes, which just seemed very very Vegasy. To me. Yeah. <laughs> room service like, I guess, right? You need uh, some assistance or <laughs> like you you have a you have a, a light bulb moment on the toilet and you yeah. call downstairs and put 200 on, you know, the the Braves or something. Anyway, it turns out this idea of discussing business matters on the toilet dates back to Roman civilization, Greco Roman civilization, because there would be this massive people, like at a, it reminds me of those giant restrooms at stadiums. You guys remember where they used to have the trough? The trough. I hated the trough, oh, but yeah. they've got this big thing. Uh, and when you would go to the bathroom here in this time in ancient Greece, you weren't going to just do your business and leave. People hung out. And they talked about, you know, work stuff. That feels like, I don't know. I'm glad modern boundaries exist now. I came up with a fun rhyme. Uh, yeah. The elite of
1: Crete sure did know how to excrete. Perfect. And that's, I, I, apropos of nothing at this point, we've moved on, but I couldn't let that one languish on the vine
3: I have to say, this This is reminding me of, this is kind of an obscure reference, but there's an old uh, Louis Benwell film called The Phantom of Liberty, and there's a sequence in that movie, which is just a sequence of dreams and weird things. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a kind of a high society dinner, except the bathroom and the dinner area are reversed. So everybody sits at the toilet together in a group and poops. <laughs> And uh-huh. Talks and does absurd! their thing, absurd. <laughs> and then and then well. they all they all get up to leave and go yeah. off into these closed tiny chambers and eat their food alone without anybody. I get it. it. He just
1: knew how to flip the script on <laughs> uh, on, on polite society. Uh, didn't he? Didn't he also do the what was it? The unique charms of the, bourgeois, charm of the bourgeoisie discreet, yeah. charms. charms. Yep, yeah. yep. That's the one with the iconic poster with
0: like the giant pair of lips with like, yes, lady legs. Exactly. Yeah, yep. Good yep. image. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Uber Teen. Introducing Uber Teen Accounts, an Uber account for your teen with trackable trips and highly rated drivers. This is important stuff. Your teen can feel a sense of independence, and you can follow their entire ride on that live tracking map.
1: And, you know, I've actually been using Uber Teen lately to help my teen uh, get to and from various events. The other week, I used it to get them and their friend uh, to and from a concert in Atlanta, and today they're actually going to use it to get home from a football game. I watch every step of the way, uh, from the moment the car's called to when they get in, and then I can track their progress to and from their destination. It makes them feel
0: safe and it lets me know that they're safe. I absolutely love it. Mm -hmm. And here's how it works. When your team requests a trip, they are matched with highly rated, experienced drivers and you receive those real-time notifications as well as enhanced safety features. That's right. PIN verification. In fact, to ensure that your teen enters the right vehicle, live trip tracking for parents, plus you, the parent, can contact the driver directly from the app. And don't delay. Today you can get 40% off. That's up to $15 off three Uber teen rides. valid for the first 30 days for new users in select markets. See app for details.
1: Add your teen to your account today. Available in select
2: locations. See app for details. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class.
0: Do you guys uh, – are? what's your policy on speaking in the bathroom?
1: Like to others?
0: Yeah. Or to right. myself? Well, I don't like it. Yeah. I, I don't like it. It feels invasive.
1: You mean – well, if, if, if it's up to you, maybe it's
0: invasive to the other person too because they're like, dude, I don't want to talk to you while you're doing that. Or if someone just starts talking to you. You know, that's one thing that I think – Atlanta takes a little too far sometimes. Yeah, in a public, bath. yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, public yeah. bathroom. Wait, no, why house. somebody else in my personal <laughs> bathroom? <laughs> no, no,
1: no. I just, I just thought you meant somebody you maybe you cohabitate with, like shouting at you from oh, across yeah. the house okay. while you're on the, in the bathroom. Fair oh, all, yeah. you're right. Th- this idea of the public latrine being like a, a meat market, that sounds gross, but we all know what we mean by that. A log uh, market, really. Yeah, it's a little weird. Um, that does seem, you know, like, yeah, but you know what? It's also kind of like an old-timey thing, the idea of making conversation with someone at the urinals. That that you know old school folks maybe would do that but now these kids don't even make phone calls anymore. I mean this they
0: would die. They would die. I enjoy the boundary. I believe that good fences make good neighbors, but the the ancient Greeks sure did not. These public commodes did have technological innovation though. It's the first evidence of water being actively used to carry away waste instead of stuff just dumping into a river. And You know, the Romans come along, they rip off all the Greek stuff, uh, the way that we ripped off that law and order sound cue apparently, but but uh, they took the latrine technology as well. So if you look at Roman latrines, they're pretty similar to the earlier Greek ones, and they have rows of bench seats with holes positioned above a sewer, no walls.
1: The Romans were also the ones that figured out like aqueducts and stuff, right? So like the Romans were definitely leveling up uh, the idea of moving water. I, I'm not 100% sure how quickly they got to the idea of flushing out uh, waste, but they were able to move water
0: using gravity, right? Like like to transfer water long distances so they could have drinking water. Mm-hmm. And they had centralized plumbing. I uh, want to introduce a guy named Christoph Luthi, a sanitation infrastructure planner at the Swiss Federal Institute of Aquatic Science and Technology. He says the Romans did have this one sophisticated innovation. It was their centralized plumbing. So instead of having to do the chamber pot hustle, uh, which is what they called it, obviously, what you would do is just funnel all this excreta into the centralized sewer using that slow-moving gravity-powered water. Okay. And then yeah. after that, it, it it did go to a river.
1: Yeah, <laughs> not great. That Still was, you know, they, rivers, they maybe yeah. missed, the, missed the boat on that one, but, the, you know, we'll get there. Um, when the Roman Empire falls, uh, it affected a lot of things. They they were in a very advanced civilization, and with that fall, um, it kind of set back some of these advances, right?
0: Oh, yeah, man. The sophisticated toilet culture entered a bottleneck. Innovation was once again clogged. It was back to chamber pot hustles. That's why in pretty much any Western film about this period of Europe— that's why inevitably when someone's walking through the street, you'll see somebody from the second floor mm-hmm. throw out a bucket of, oh, yeah. of piss and filth because mm-hmm. the, the sewer at that time was the middle of the street.
1: Yeah, it reminds me of that line from Monty Python and the Holy Grail where they're talking about, like, uh, who the who the king is. And he's like, oh, he must be the king because he's the only one who isn't covered in shit.
0: <laughs> Yes, which is not <laughs> an unfair joke. Private and public toilets were pretty scarce in the Middle Ages. And yes, it is true that people who lived in castles would poop and pee through these small niches, basically, in the castle walls. The privy, right? Uh, Yes, they've been called privies. But the, the big problem is they should have called these the disease holes because launching poop and piss outside of your castle, it lands in the moat. It creates epidemics that were pretty frequent cholera typhoid plague and uh years went on and the bathroom situation did not really improve if you were the average person at this day and age you would just go outside and and crap in a field because that is fertilizer
1: well i believe we've talked about the fact that louis the 14th like never showered uh he just Put on layers and layers of like fine smelling oils and, and lotions, yeah, yeah. which is really gross. It really reminds me of the story that recently. Uh took place uh, sort of Atlanta adjacent no it was Atlanta adjacent about a uh, an ill-fated flight from Atlanta's Hartsfield-Jackson International Airport to I believe it was Spain Um, Mm -hmm. I can't recall what the end destination was I think it was I think it was Spain Um, where somebody did a diarrhea (laughs) down down the entire length of the plane and uh, apparently one of the best quotes from that was that you know whatever they tried to do to put on it to make it smell less bad just made it smell like vanilla-scented poop. Yeah. Um, Because that's what it would be, you know? I'm sure whatever Louis, bless his heart, put on, um, just, just, just... accentuated the foul odor uh, in certain different flavor directions. But yeah, I mean, he didn't really care about this stuff, clearly. He was not a a showering guy. He didn't attach much, uh, you know, sanctity. Uh, He did not believe in cleanliness is next to godliness, which apparently is not really a thing that exists in any holy scripture.
0: He thought human rules didn't really apply to him because he was, you know, appointed by God. He felt himself somewhat godlike. I, for one, have always,
1: you know, I've moved up, I guess, a little bit in in society. But uh, living with roommates in a home that only has one bathroom, you know, with maybe two other people, not great.
0: No, you not know, for it.
1: showering schedule, and, and of course for for pooping, because nobody wants anyone to have to come in after they've done the thing, and uh, nobody wants to come in after someone's done the thing. But in a castle, Versailles, you know, yeah. the Sun King absolutely did not care, did not give two shakes about uh, having
0: multiple toilets. In fact, how many were there, Ben? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. Casey, you'll like this as well as our expert on France. There were 2,000 rooms in the castle of Versailles. There was one toilet. Oh, my God. That's insane. It's like fire Festival-level logistics. (laughs) It is. But... I let's pause here too because let's get Casey's take on this. Casey, how do the French regard Louis the 14th? Do they talk about this poop stuff at all, or are they more concerned with like him being a bad leader?
3: Yeah, it's it's more the bad leadership thing. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's a whole lot about the, the the toiletry that I've seen
0: pop up in like pop culture and that kind of thing. All right. Well, we're, we're bringing it back. Also, speaking of bringing things back, the entire reason to set you up for that is so that we could say, Casey on the Case. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if we can dig that sound cue out of the uh, the archive. Yes, we will dig up the Casey on the Case sound cue or maybe make a new one. Who knows? So the Sun King... Or steal w-
1: back that uh, Law and Order thing. <laughs> yeah. Just mind, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll just tweet them. Uh, the Sun King would host these Huge festivals, these parties, his equivalent of raves. And when that happened, the nobles, just like the peasants outside, they pooped in the field. They pooped on the ground like a horse. Super classy. The flushing toilet did not really become a thing in Europe until the last half of the 1800s.
1: Makes me think of a quote from, I'm sorry I keep doing this, uh, Junior Soprano on The Sopranos. One of my favorite insults that he says, he goes, go in your hat. <laughs> That's a good word. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a non-sequitur. I want to use that. Um, yeah, you know, they were all about... Isn't it funny, though? I swear. The whole thing about Louis Fourteenth not bathing, he gets this reputation for being this resplendent, you know, fashion clothes horse kind of cat, right? But, yeah, he stunk all the time, and there was only one... Toilet in the whole man in the mansion. This is more than a mansion. If you guys have ever seen Versailles, yeah, it's a glittering palace. palace of of wonder. Uh, it really doesn't kind of line up. But enter Sir John Harrington, big deal. He mm-hmm. uh, pioneered in 1596 one of the very earliest examples of the flush toilet.
0: Yeah, he did. Oh, also want to point out in Louis's defense. Uh, Louis was apparently had a huge phobia about bathing. He was terrified. Ah. He thought it was bad for your health. He was but, a hydrophobe. Yeah, he's a hydrophobe. And uh, look, this guy, Sir John Harrington, also a poet, by the way. Go literacy. Uh, when he invented the flush toilet, as you said, no, nobody cared.
1: Oh, uh, total <laughs> whimper. <laughs> not, no, not right. a bang at all. No. Um, it wasn't for 200 years uh, until people kind of caught into the idea of, man, wouldn't it be cool if we could like just
0: shoot this poop out somewhere else far away? I picture some guy going on a, a journey, because most people lived and died uh, relatively close to where they were born. I picture some guy going way out in the woods and then coming back and saying, dudes, I found a place that doesn't smell like sh-. Maybe we could learn something from that. So, yeah, our buddy Alexander Cummings says, yeah, let's let's try to make things smell a little less filthy. He applies for a patent, and he is the guy who adds the double-curved drain pipe Ah. that you see on the bottom, on, on like, the neck of your commode. Somewhat Uh, of a bevel. mm, Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It fights against stench because it it can't get... I mean, it's not 100% stench-proof, no, but not. it's nothing it's is huge what is a
1: problem in this life. Yeah, and this, of course, is a design that we still see. If you've ever had to get down and scrub it. Scrub the thing, you know. You've you've seen that uh, that that curved kind of um, receptacle in the bottom of modern toilets. It's really not that different. Um, so this really did pave the way for what we know today as the modern flushing toilet. You know, once you get something, once until we get into the whole Japanese uh, future of toilets, that's oh its own thing. But you know, it's hard to get something much better than old uh, John Harrington got it. But as we know, um, Britain in the 19th century had a real problem with sanitation, a real problem with sanitation that stemmed from a real problem with overcrowding in its cities. Um, and we know that uh, sometimes, you know, this is like out of a twist type uh, situation. A um, hundred people might share a single toilet. That's insane. That's wild. And uh, it would, of course, cause backups. And the sewage would then spill out into the streets. The streets were running with with with,
0: with poo-poo and pee-pee. <laughs> they very much were. Uh, this was not an ideal situation because the no-no juices were mixing with all kinds of other terrible stuff in the water. Chemicals, horse manure, just dead animals. Someone's pet dies and they're they're like, mmm, throw Oscar in the river. And because of this, there were these huge, again, continual public health crises, cholera outbreaks of the 1830s and 1850s oh, yeah. in particular. And so as a result, trying to fight back against this, in 1848, the government decreed that every new house built had to have a water closet, a toilet, or an ash pit Privy, and that's when we go to uh the night soil men working on some night poops. Uh, the, the night soil men <laughs> had a terrible job. We talked about these guys in the great stink of London, remember? That's right. They, you know, they would muck out these
1: pits, they would muck out these uh, these whatever ashen privies, right? Mm-hmm. Not a you know, one of the original dirty jobs. Um, this was. Bad times. Yeah. But of course, despite the best efforts of of the night men, the nightmen, this stuff did, uh, it's insidious. You know, it found its way uh, into the uh, water source, or in, into the you know, water supply rather. Um, and of course there were also other chemicals that came from runoff, from like coal, ash and things like that. Uh, horse manure, rotting animal carcasses. The The water was just absolutely swimming with disease. And to your point, Ben, cholera uh, outbreaks of the 1830s and 1850s were the result of that. But in 1858 there was a particularly nasty summer, um, which was resulted in that great stink. This idea of miasma, remember that one Ben, the miasma mm-hmm. theory, the idea that we did, they didn't really know where this was coming from, where this disease was spreading. It wasn't right away that they realized it was in the water at all. You think that would have been a dead giveaway because the water was like brown. I mean it was bad. Not yeah. it wasn't just like a hint of the stuff, um, so there was a theory that it was spreading through the air, but that was
0: dead wrong. I'm just I'm laughing because you've inspired me for a uh, for a terrible cologne or perfume commercial for Louis the Fourteenth, like Calvin Klein style. Mm-hmm. It's a hint of poop. Yes. <laughs> How about this? A hint of poop in the night. <laughs> hint of poop. Oh, sorry, I'm thinking of a Harry Nelson album. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Uber Teen. Introducing Uber Teen Accounts, an Uber account for your teen with trackable trips and highly rated drivers. This is important stuff. Your teen can feel a sense of independence and you can follow their entire ride on that live tracking map.
1: And, you know, I've actually been using Uber Teen lately to help my teen uh, get to and from various events. The other week I used it to get them and their friend uh, to and from a concert in Atlanta. And today they're actually going to use it to get home from a football game. I watch every step of the way uh, from the moment the car is called to when they get in and then I can track their progress to and from their
0: And don't delay. Today you can get 40% off. That's up to $15 off three Uber teen rides. Valid for the first 30 days for new users in select markets. See app for details. Add your teen to your
1: account today. Available in select locations. See app for details.
2: This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class.
1: This episode is brought to you by Discover. You know, in today's
0: world, it seems the best treatment is reserved only for a few. Well, Discover wants to change that by making everyone feel special. That's why with your Discover card,
1: you have access to 24-7 live customer service, as well as $0 fraud
0: liability, which means you're never held responsible for unauthorized purchases. Finally, no matter who you are or where you are in life, you'll feel special with Discover. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Limitations apply. There's one myth we want to bust, and we know we're being a little bit Eurocentric here. Uh, dating, you know, and I guess Middle Eastern when you get back to the origins of mankind. But we're, we're going to get to just a little bit of banter about Japan and other parts of the world toward the end. On the way, we're going to pause to bust one quick myth, folks. You may have heard the story of Thomas Crapper. People will often say he invented the modern toilet because that sounds really cool. Your last name is Crapper. You know, the invention is named after you. Uh, The answer is a bit more nuanced because old Tommy Craps didn't burst onto the plumbing scene until the 1860s. So there had been a lot of research beforehand, like Cummings and Harrington and so on. But he took out a lot of plumbing patents
1: more puanced?
0: Yes, more puanced. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm moving. He, I have to go. He, t- he took out uh he took out something like nine different ones between 1881 and 1896, but none of these were for a world-changing toilet. They were pipe improvements. And come to find out, thanks to our pals at Life Science, the word crap probably doesn't even come from his name. So we're re- now we're redeeming his uh His reputation, he he didn't do everything that people said, but the stuff that he did do do uh, is pretty important. The the pipe innovations. But where does where crap come from?
1: Yeah, it's actually, you know, I mean, it's, it's a weird one, right? Because it mm. certainly seems like it would stem from this gentleman's name, which is an unfortunate thing to be associated with. Uh, and it very well may. You know, this is actually a little bit kind of uh, up, up, in, up in the air, I, I would argue. I think so would historians. Um, but it was actually, potentially, the word crap was derived from a Latin word, crappa, meaning chaff, which I guess that's, you know, the idea of separating the wheat from the chaff. I think the chaff is like the casing of the the wheats or the outer part. So it's the part you throw away. So mm-hmm. that does make sense. Yeah. Um, you know, but his, this guy Crapper's toilets did prominently feature crapper on it. So, you know, the idea of maybe, maybe the term using the crapper is is separate from the term crap. I, I would have to see some etymological
0: evidence, you know, yeah. to the contrary, right? To really track the provenance of, of this word. And that's a good point because etymology uh, can be some tricky poop. He did manufacture these toilets. He just didn't necessarily invent them. Other people got in the toilet game during the sanitation revolution. George Jennings, Thomas Tweeford, Edward Johns, Henry Dalton, and so on and so on. They began producing the toilets that are increasingly similar to the toilets we know today. And these contraptions start appearing throughout major European cities. Thankfully, around the same time, people started creating sewage treatment plants to help protect rivers and streams in Europe from a flood of human doo-doo. And sadly, this wasn't the case in some other parts of the world.
1: So it really is kind of a, a mixed bag. You know, it's, it's sort of a, a lot of cases of parallel thinking, a lot of cases of folks laying the groundwork and then other folks coming along and improving. Um, again, you know, people pooped as long as there have been people <laughs> or any, you know, animal for that like matter. We're like poople,
0: am I right? And,
1: oh, my God. You're so right, Ben. We're so wrong, though. <laughs> history will not forgive us for this episode. And we are <laughs> technically uh, in service of history. So I don't know how we're ever going to come back from this. We're going to do our damnedest. Yeah. Um but yeah it's it's like but oh my god stop me <laughs> stop us all. No. We're out of control. Yeah no, but I mean like th- it makes sense this would be an innovation that has been a long time coming. You know, not not to mention that the Romans kind of figured it out and then got wiped off the map and all that technology was sort of lost to history until, you know, later, right, when it was sort of more unearthed. This, they had to kind of restart um, the whole search for, for the toilet. So, it, but again, it, it's, it's a very basic function that a lot of people could have had the same idea for. And then it just became this amalgam of ideas and tweaks over time. Um, and, you know, you wouldn't get to the idea of sewage treatment plants without getting to the idea. Of, of of a flush toilet without getting to the idea of the poop goes in the hole and down into the pit. You know, it all kind of was staggered. Um, mm. and, and I think that makes sense to get to where we are today, which uh, is, of course, Japanese toilets.
0: Yes, yes, Japanese toilets, most particularly Toto. They have their own different evolution. You know, traditional Japanese toilets when you go to that country, in a lot of parts of Asia, you'll see squat toilets, right? A basin mm-hmm. on the floor or a place where you, you know, you assume like the Slavic squat. It's
1: apparently <laughs> better for your tract, right? Yes. Or which Tract,
0: mm-hmm. tract, Track. Yeah. We're not talking about treatises here. <laughs> <Pamphlets>. <laughs> well, it depends. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, the most, uh, I think, impressive thing for a lot of travelers from outside of that part of the world, in Japan in particular... Is the crazy, sophisticated modern toilets that you see in a lot of Japanese buildings? So there's a dichotomy, right? Sometimes it'll be the really fancy ones that do all the things we already mentioned, and then sometimes it'll be a ceramic hole in the ground. You know what I mean?
1: Mm-hmm. Are you guys? Uh, have you guys ever uh, uh, happened upon um, something that's usually referred to as a chemical toilet? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, of course, a porta potty is essentially a large scale chemical toilet, but you can get these little ones that are like portable that you might have with you in an RV or something. Um, and it has whatever that blue gook is that apparently just makes everything smell like what do they call those things? The, those. Uh, Bricks, this kind of weird urinal cakes. Yeah, exactly. Why Uh, do they have to call them cakes? Well, I'll tell you, speaking (laughs) of why do they have to call it, uh, there is a quite large uh, national, they're they're, they're found in California, Oregon, Utah, Washington, Texas, Colorado, and Georgia, a porta potty company called Honey Bucket. Why? Who greenlit that? It's, It's despicable.
0: I wonder if it's a spinoff of another company that already had honey in the name. Honey Bucket. It's just that, no, I don't want that. Even not applied to that, Honey Bucket is not a term that I enjoy. It's just unpleasant. It's yeah, incredibly it's, unpleasant. It's, it's foul. It ruins the idea of honey for me. If someone, if like if I walked into a diner and the server called me Honey Bucket, I would be very uncomfortable. Yeah. Honey bunches, maybe. But Fine. bucket, that's a that's a bridge too far. There's also uh, composting toilets. Uh that's these right. are dry toilets. And I gotta tell you, I hope the technology has improved because you guys know I have some friends, hippie friends, who are off the grid, and uh their compost toilet does not compost uh to the degree that I would have hoped. And it's inside.
1: Uh oh. It's, it's always a bit of a bait and switch with those kinds of things. Yeah. Um, back to the Romans, though. You know, we talked about how they really were leading the charge uh, for this kind of stuff, and then, you know, because of their annihilation, everything kind of got set back. They also, you know, we haven't talked about wiping much. Um, right. If, if at all. We did talk about how we did an episode on bidets. I think we're all here in this room pro-bidet, and the fact that other parts of the world have really, you know, have always kind of been pro-bidet and somehow the U.S. has lagged behind is very strange. And I would argue, we would all argue, I think we even made the argument uh, in our episode, it's a product of big teepee, you know? Yes. A lot of money to be made in those sheets, you know, those cylindrical sheets. Um, But the Romans, while they weren't quite at the level of bidets yet with their aqueducts, they, they didn't quite figure out how to get it to spray upward against gravity, um, they did have a pretty relatively what? sophisticated wiping mechanism in the form of a sea sponge on a stick. Ah, the tessorium. <laughs> the yes. tesorium. Wow, uh, it also sounds like a Mars Volta album. <laughs> <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. It sounds like also like an obscure anatomical... Thing. All right, yeah, like from the
1: what's that book with all the fake science stuff? Oh, uh, the Codex Seraphinian. The Codex Seraphinian. It sounds like some, yeah, exactly, some alien uh, organ of some stripe. But yeah, but these were not. Uh, these were for repeat use, though, which does
0: give me pause between multiple people. Ooh, you know, because we I know
1: mean? again, poop is pretty insidious, and and mm. and and washing it away with water on a, on a porous thing, piece of organic material. Probably not going to get it all. You're probably not going to get it all.
0: And then passing the poop stick to the next guy while you're talking about, you know, the olive oil trade or something, it's just not a good look. And thank goodness toilet paper was mass produced in 1857. It is very imperfect. Uh we have learned some troubling things about toilet paper on the way. But it's still better than sharing a poop stick with people. Yeah. It really gives a whole new meaning to the uh,
1: the insult poop stick, <laughs> yes, <laughs> which we thought was universal. It turns out that's just something we've been saying. Turns out it has historical precedent. Uh, but you know, again, to the Romans' credit, uh, they had a built-in mechanism for rinsing the poop sticks uh, right there at their feet, uh, in the form of a little flowing trough, a little kind of lazy river of water that they would just swish the thing around. I don't, I don't, I don't buy it. I, I, I'm a little skeptical of this uh, this this mechanism here. I, I think they probably were spreading some spreading some disease, some particles. Yeah,
0: but it was one of those things where they couldn't see it. They didn't know as much about how diseases spread. And this this maybe gets us to our final point here. It's fun to have like the poop humor. We obviously love it. And Casey, we hope we have impressed you. Thank you for coming back. The big point about this is that sanitation can save billions of lives. And right now, nearly one half of the world's population lacks access to proper toilets, proper sanitation, or both. This is why the CDC says there's an estimated 3.6 billion people without safely managed sanitation. And then of those, 1.9 billion only live with basic sanitation which means you're using outhouses, latrines, things that fill up, or worse, overflow in heavy rain. Mm. This is particularly dangerous for women, for young girls, when they have to go outside at night in poorly lit places just to use the restroom, you know? And and then the other thing, we don't think about it too much because we live in a city. Snakes, insects, predators. Ticks. Ticks Ticks as well. Lyme disease. Yeah. It's
1: insidious. Ben, have we, have we talked about the Japanese word shimogo?
0: We have not talked about the Japanese word this shimogo.
1: This is fun. We, we, we have talked a bit about how the Japanese, you know, are the modern innovators of like, no one does, nobody does it better than the Japanese when it comes to toilets. Um, so many options and opportunities to live in the lap of luxury uh, when it comes to Japanese toilets. But in the olden times uh, in, I believe, Japan and China, um, they did... Actually, use human waste as fertilizer. Yeah, there's a word for it. Nice sort of. Yeah, 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 no, but there's another word <clears throat> for it, Shimo- yes. Shimogo, uh, which tra- loosely translates to fertilizer from the bottom of a person.
0: <laughs> yeah. And the reason flush toilets became a thing in Japan and all is because uh, eventually there was a law made after World War II that said, you got to stop using night soil, even though it still happens in um, parts of the Korean Peninsula, parts of China.
1: You know, it's funny though too, Ben, we, weren't we talking about the the in, in the Middle Ages, the night soil men? So this is a term that is not exclusively, you know, uh, from, from the East. Um, this is very much a, you know, European term as well.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a, um, it's a common thing, right? It's a lot of people solving a universal problem. And it has been such a, a journey. So the next time you pull that lever, folks, uh, give a big thanks to the inventors of the past, the nightmen that they were, and uh, remember to close the lid. And so, Noel, what do you think? Uh, are we are we flush for this episode? Are we? Uh, did we miss any more poop puns? I, we couldn't possibly have. There's no I, way. We really leaned into it. Oh yeah, yeah. We, <laughs> we did. We we, we we.
1: Nope. Not gonna no. <laughs> <laughs> I saw, I see where you're going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Like, we all, we all like, got it. Let, let the imagination, I don't know if I got it. I, <laughs> uh, I Pissing up what, what you pooping down, you know? Yeah, that's what, see, that's the thing. Poop is insidious, you know, both uh, as, as a physical substance and as a substance of the mind.
0: Yes, yeah. And with that, we want to thank everybody, as always, for tuning in uh, to the first of a couple reunion episodes we're going to have Casey, thank you so much, man. It's so good to see you. Uh, we, like the rest of the ridiculous historians, are just huge fans of yours, and we can't wait to journey into another strange story, which will be less poop-related, we promise, <laughs> great, great. Uh, <laughs> later on this week. Let's see, who else? Oh, thanks also to Max White Pants Williams. That's what <laughs> he goes by now. Did you okay. hear about this, Casey? I have not heard this. How did it work? No, He texted us. He's like, I got to get these white pants yeah, for a yeah Labor
1: Day half a suit um, okay you know uh, the, it's, it's in the back it's in the past episodes but you know what white pants don't take very well what's that poop in your pants
0: it's <laughs> everyone knows it's a gambit for sure yeah. you know what yeah. I mean and also thanks to Alex Williams who composed this slap and bop uh, White Pants Williams Alex Williams and it was apparently very all of these people were all very continent yes all of
1: us yeah
0: I love that Key and Peele sketch, Continental Breakfast. It's oh, yeah. uh, just a genius. It's a good one. Uh, yeah. Thanks also to Jonathan Strickland, a.k.a. the Quister, who sends his regards. I always I like that phrase, sends regards, because you don't know whether it's good or ominous. It can be very
3: ominous. I think it's all in the tone. It's a weird one in an email when people say best regards or regards or it's like I don't know what to do with that. I don't know. Oh, yeah. How do, how do you feel about just best
1: I mean, I don't
0: do it's it. Okay. Snooty. It's okay.
3: Yeah. It's okay. Not it's
0: not,
1: it's a little formal. Yeah. I would say. My best wishes to you and yours.
0: Kind of a literary flourish, you know? A little yeah.
3: A little bit of a flex. Like publishing people, maybe. Say your obedient
1: <laughs>
0: servant. Your faithful servant. How
1: about capital thanks! Exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. You guys loving that one? That means you messed up. Somebody's really mad at you for saying that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. LOL. All good here. <laughs> Yeah, I still think it's better than ending with a quotation. When I see emails that end with a quotation, I'm like, yeah, dude, I also like Wordsworth, but we're talking about how how to schedule an admin meeting.
1: Well, how do you feel about quotations in a signature file on an email?
0: Uh, Not great. each their own. I mean, mean, it's like a bumper sticker.
3: Not great, but if it's in the body, that's deranged.
1: Oh, I would never. Who would do that? What what psychos are you dealing with, Ben,
3: that are ending (laughs)
0: signing off emails with literary quotes? Yeah. Run away, dude. (laughs) Run away. (laughs) (laughs) And... We, of course, want to thank Christopher Hasiotis, Eves, Jeff Coat here in spirit, Gabe, Luzier. Uh, and thank you to you, Noel. And, and props to both of us. Props to me all to me. three of us Aww, for, for uh, closing the lid. And my
1: best <laughs> wishes in regards to you and your family as well, Benjamin. Looking forward.
0: Remember that one? We'll see you next time, folks.